Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This month, we are celebrating Slater September. We have Gleaming the Cube and Airborne. One sounds like being a master of the Rubik's Cube, and the other sounds like something you take when you have a cold. Either way, you probably have no friends. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod, or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. So, do you not turn your ringer on? I'm curious about this. Because I used to have my ringer on, like, all the time. Um, did you not turn it on specifically so you just didn't have to explain your ringtone to people when they called? When... Like to other people when people would call you? No, I turned my ringtone off when I got the phone because I did not want the phone to ever make a noise and draw my attention to it. Gotcha. It also makes it harder to make excuses for not answering the phone if people know your ringtone is on. (laughs) They'll say, didn't you hear your phone? And if you go, well, my ringtone is always off. They're like, oh, I see. But if you're like, it's usually on, I just turned it off this one day because I knew you were calling. They get upset. <laughs> is, uh, is my microphone picking up the fan? No. I wouldn't, have you, wouldn't have even known if you hadn't mentioned you put a fan on. Um, it's kind of up against <clears throat> the, the table, and I was worried that the vibrations would carry through. Wow. Because um, I usually have a significant ringtone of some sort in the past couple years i've just been like i don't want to have to explain this to people so i'm just not going to turn my ring around i can see that like right now i got uh rick from rick and morty doing the wubble wubble dub dub for my text message and i just don't want to be in a situation where it goes off and someone's like what's that and i have to then explain what rick and morty is so I'm just sort of like... That's a deep rabbit hole. Do you know what else could be even worse than that, too, is when it goes off in public, mm-hmm. and now every person in that mall who is a Rick and Morty fan thinks they're friends with you? Oh, uh, yeah, there's that, too. I hate that. Yeah. That's why want... I stopped wearing, like, T-shirts with any kind of logo on them. Just a <laughs> black T-shirt now. I don't want to be anywhere and have people go, oh, you like, and then think they get the right to talk to me. Yeah. It's it's interesting because most of the things I like, I'm always excited when somebody runs up to me and they're like, oh, sick comic book shirt, or oh, sick video game shirt, or, you know, any random nerd thing I have. But Rick and Morty, they're the worst. Fans of that show are the worst, and I don't want, I don't want to be fucking associated with them. 
Yeah. I just don't understand how something that so many people I like enjoys can also be enjoyed by so many people that are just sacks of shit. <laughs> I don't know how we got here so quickly. Yeah. If you're yeah. listening to the show and you enjoy Rick and Morty, there's a 50% chance that you're a sack of shit. I'm not saying you're a sack of shit. I'm just saying there's a 50% chance. Those are pretty high odds when you... <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I was just curious if it was just my introvertness that uh, caused this, or if anybody else would understand the plight of not having to explain shit to people that don't know what shit is. I, I'm definitely understanding of your situation, because like I have that issue, like just like at work, people will walk by, and if I've got movies on my desk or something, they'll stop and say, hey, what's that? And I'm like, you don't. You don't want to go there. <laughs> or they say, like, oh, you're, they go, oh, like, you're a movie fan? What's your favorite movie? And I'm like, we don't have time for this. Work days are eight hours long. It takes me longer than that to answer that question. I got other things to do. Just, if you're not one of us, you won't get it. You didn't even start partially genre specific. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, people at work know I'm into like horror movies and stuff, so they'll try to chat. And then they'll be like, oh, did you watch American Horror Story last night? And I'm like, I haven't watched that for like five seasons. So no, I didn't. It's tough being a nerd, guys. It's really, really hard. <laughs> the first season of American Horror Story, I don't yeah. know about the rest, because I completely lost interest, but I'm like, it's going to be a new thing. And I was like, no, I like the other thing. Every time they announce it's going to be a new thing, I'm like, oh, that thing sounds cool. I'll probably never get around to watching that. Well, then they end up ruining it. So, uh, uh, But, Noah, this season is a return to the storyline from the first season. Oh, shit. Well, so maybe you'll be interested. Although now I've, I've gotten distracted because now I've started watching Orange is the New Black. Apparently everyone keeps saying it's good. <laughs> it has been for eight years. <laughs> I mean, I don't watch it. I, I don't watch it. I watched the first couple of seasons. Thought it was interesting. Mm-hmm. Then I stopped. So I guess I, I must have found it uninteresting at some point. So far, it's pretty good. I kind of feel like it's shitty Oz. <laughs> so what's the show like? Well, it's shitty Oz. Yeah, oh, like, okay. Shitty Oz. <laughs> well, but but I mean, shitty Oz is still good because Oz was really really good. <laughs> I never saw Oz. So. It's like saying shitty ice cream. The shittiest ice cream is still ice cream. I don't think that's how the people who made Oz want their show marketed. <laughs> I'm no expert, but... No, I said Oz is really good. Or just the new black of the ones that don't want... <laughs> I don't think the people who made Oz were hoping people would go, it's just like ice cream. A little smile on their face. <laughs> You'll enjoy it, and it's good for the kids. Well, that's what yeah. it is. It can, it can be interesting. Uh, it can be unexpected. But for the most part, it's just sugary garbage that doesn't really do anything for you. Yeah, it's just like ice cream. Just like you know, ice cream. Both of them have male-on-male uh, jailhouse rape. So That's true. But uh, It's one of my least favorite things about ice cream, though. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's like I like ice cream, but Jesus Christ, all the rape. It's, it's all the rape. It's it's offensive, you know, when it's when the ice cream is raping the other ice cream, but it's not in context of the story. It's just uh, exploitive. That's when I have a problem with it. <laughs> Good times. Nothing like bringing those listeners in by talking about rape. <laughs> A little bit of ice cream rape to kick things off for us later September. Uh, well, that's pretty close to what you guys are doing to me, so. Oh, uh, we'll get into it. Did anybody by any chance go to Christian Slater's IMDb page to see, like, I wonder how, like, what percentage of his oeuvre we're covering by doing four movies? Oh, pff, it's like, I, I, I guess I just never saw all the, the list of movies together before i'm just like oh my god this guy yeah. was like prolific yeah no we're doing like a drop in the ocean of like Christmas he did like 15 movie. movies between 88 and 91 it's insane and a lot of them are really good movies or at least were <laughs> well respected at the time he was doing movies while he was in prison and that's impressive impressive <laughs> when you're still in prison and making movies somehow that is impressive yeah, he's still making movies, just yeah. nobody watches them anymore. Well, apparently he's on Mr. Robot now, which a lot of people really like. I, I really thought that when Very, Very Bad Things came out, which was like his first uh, post-prison movie, that because it was really good. I thought, I was like, oh shit, he's going to just come right back to the top, and it did not, it did not happen. He didn't, well, he didn't get the Robert Downey Jr. Uh, he did not. A career resurrection. Well, well if there's Cole almost immediately after that. He did uh, Alone in the Dark, and I don't know if you guys know this, but that is not good. <laughs> I actually don't know it because I was like, "Well, that looks like shit," and I never watched it. Yeah. But my assumption was, yeah, it's probably those are, terrible. Those are some good instincts you got. <laughs> it's not. It is not worth watching it to find out how bad it is. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I saw bits and pieces of it, and I remember them just well enough to know that I did not go back and watch the whole movie. So <laughs> I tricked myself into watching it because I was like, "Oh, I really like the Alone in the Dark video game series." Yeah, a lot of times what you're going to want to do is you want to check who's directing that movie and use that as a guide point as to whether or not to see the movie. Because yeah, that one was a Yui movie, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not well, I mean, it's a, it's, to check because I get disgusted <clears throat> if I his name written down on the internet. So. I just, I, I what's well, a video game movie? So there's like a ninety percent chance that it's. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So who in Hollywood they want to make money, right? That's like their whole thing. Yeah, but they're not good at it. I know. They're really, really bad at making decisions in Hollywood. They just so, always have been, and they always will be. They hire Yui Bowl to make a video game movie, and it's really bad, and it flops, and it doesn't make very much money. And then they're like, well, we've got this other video game title. Uh, we'll do it right this time. So let's bring back Yui Bowl, because he has experience making video game movies. Yeah. And, and this time it'll be better. And it's bad, and it flops, and it loses a ton of money. And so the third time, they're like, oh, shit. <sighs> better bring in Yui Bull. He's the expert on video game movies. Dude, Hollywood well, is just the, the most poorly run business there is. Like, it's amazing to me that, like, 
every two years you hear one of the major studios is like on the brink of collapse if some movie doesn't do well and you're like these businesses have been around for a hundred years how are you not able to absorb like a couple of flops but they just they bet heavy on everything and just hope it works it's fascinating well the uve bowl thing i don't think is hollywood's fault i think there's some weird thing where he gets financing in europe or something i, I also like i heard somewhere that he has money and so some mm. of the money that is going into his movies is his own money and it's yeah. like, I'll, I'll give you the money to make this movie on one minor condition. We'll do it. We don't care what the condition is. I get to direct. Fuck. And he just keeps doing that to people. But I'm talking, even if he's got Getty money, and I can't imagine he's got Getty money, he should be poor by now for putting his own movie money into <laughs> shitty movies. Like, But, but I the think they is, actually do halfway decent in Europe. Yeah, I'm not saying they're like blockbusters in Europe, but I think they actually make money in Europe. My understanding I, is his I movies don't know are how. A lot, they're a lot more enjoyable if you don't understand what the people are saying in them, from what I hear. <laughs> it's... Did you guys see House of the Dead? Oh, yeah. No. no. Which is Did why I decided that? I will never see another Uwe Boll movie, and I never have. I mean, fuck. <laughs> I've seen... I've seen a lot of bad zombie movies and a lot of bad like uh, video game movies but it's the worst of both <laughs> yeah, it's, terrible. It, it's worse than street fighter <laughs> yeah it's, it's bad but like i said i think they make he, he i think he shoots them cheap enough that they make a decent enough amount of money in europe that there, someone makes money off of this, and they keep giving him more money. Yeah. But it's outside of the Hollywood system because there's no way Hollywood would would uh, keep giving him money with his track record in the United States. I like I like to imagine that somewhere there's some tropic thunder esque third world country where Huey pulls like a <laughs> national treasure. Although I think he's officially retired now, isn't he, from filmmaking? See, I oh, thought he said he was retiring, and then he came back and he made those, whatever they're called, the fucking Postal or Rampage, or whatever the fuck he made. Like, he made Rampage because I think he was suing the people who made the movie Rampage for, like, stealing mm -hmm. his intellectual property, even though they got the name from the video game from the 80s, which was before his movies came out. Mm. Let's see, I'm looking at his IMDb. He has not directed anything since 2016 but he's been a producer on multiple things since then so i don't know i don't know why we're doing this it's not you oh, yeah. i know it's, it's later september god damn it get, get into, oh, a happy, get into a happy mode because this is a happy subject <laughs> um everybody do your best shitty Christian Slater impression. Well, that's just a bad Jack Nicholson impression is all it is. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Doug, do you want to tell us about Gleaming the Cube? Okay. Uh, Gleaming the Cube is a movie, and it stars Christian Slater. <laughs> and he plays... Correct so far. <laughs> I, I gotta start knowing you're gonna throw these things at me so I'm prepared but uh, basically he plays a kid whose adoptive brother is uh, killed after um, discovering some irregularities in like a charity 
and he the the death is made to look like a suicide only christian slater's character realizes that it probably isn't so he uh starts doing his own investigation on the side keeps running afoul of the uh the police and everybody else who keep telling him that he should just learn to live with the fact that his brother killed himself and uh he never does eventually he proves that something weird is going on he has to go kind of undercover because uh Everyone thinks he's a screw-up because he dresses like a skateboard kid, so he has to start dressing in nice clothes to convince everyone to let him to listen to him. And that's, I mean, that's about it. He eventually uh, uncovers the plot, which is a weird plot. It's the charity. I, I mean, I guess I can go full spoilers here, but the charity in question is an anti-communist relief fund sending medical supplies to Vietnam because it's the 80s, so that was still kind of a hot topic. And it turns out that they are actually funneling weapons into Vietnam as well, mm-hmm. which is really interesting because they don't, as far as I can tell, the bad guys in this movie were funneling weapons into Vietnam to fight against the communists, mm-hmm. which I'm pretty sure is why the U.S. government went into Vietnam. <laughs> Which is interesting that the bad guys are just basically keeping the Vietnam War going. Um, well, where they fucked up, up is uh, hiring the bad kid from Karate Kid Two. Yeah, that was well. That was part of the problem because, I mean, that's the plot. We're done with the plot description. We'll get into all the very specifics and how skateboarding plays a major role in this movie. I will but, say that someone informed me that this was actually a very real problem in the early '80s. Which nobody ever really talks about. The the companies were still funding the Vietnam War even after the United States was out of it by sending stuff through charities such as weapons and stuff to Vietnam. I'm sure that it probably was true, and I'm sure that happened. I'm removing the specifics of that of that uh, war. I'm sure it happens in a lot of cases, right? Mm-hmm. Where people yeah. use these use any anything that is being shipped into a, a war zone or or a potential war zone. I'm sure there's corruption that helps uh, weapons and stuff move in there. I just find it really interesting that I mean, the U.S. government sent troops over there for years to fight against the communists and basically only left because they lost. But the bad guys are the ones still trying to get the job done, which is interesting because it shows the way the, the world was viewing the Vietnam War by 1989, right? They probably could have killed less Americans if they just loaded soldiers into torpedo tubes and just fired American soldiers at base camps in Vietnam. All right. Well, we're not here to discuss the tactics of the Vietnam War. <laughs> I just, I just thought the there's oh, interesting political messaging in this film because mm-hmm. these guys they are running a legitimate charity. That part is true. They are shipping medical supplies, I believe. Right. Yeah. They're just also shipping guns. Mm-hmm. And they're shipping guns to support the side of the war that the Americans uh, were on. Yeah, yeah, but Mr. Yet, but Mr. yet they're still the bad guys. Yeah, Mr. Track, who runs the charity, it is said, uh, fought alongside the American army during Vietnam. Yeah, and so he is still supporting the Vietnam War by using his charity yeah, to funnel weapons and stuff back into Vietnam. Yeah. Which is which is interesting politically to make those the villains of your 
kids movie about skateboarding. Well, I'm wondering if it's just that Americans were not happy with the Vietnam War. I know, oh. like, my 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 father-in-law was in Vietnam, and he he sadly has passed away. But he talked about how how weird it is for him to see how everybody is like. Well, you don't have to agree with the war, but you got to support the troops. Because when he was in Vietnam and he returned home, he was treated like shit by just about everybody yeah. because and he's a soldier. Then- that's predominantly where that attitude has come from is people saying look 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 yeah you can't it's not the soldier's fault they don't make the the policy decisions that get them on the battlefield right Mm -hmm. so i'm wondering if that sort of attitude is like well we can't make i mean these people are going to be bad because they're still supporting the vietnam war and people hated anybody involved with the vietnam war so i don't know if that was like a like a a way to talk about that but it's it's weird because like the the racism in this film's from the 80s so it's got a lot of racism in it Mm -hmm. and the racism is really kind of interesting in this movie because there's there's like actually a scene in this movie where so the vietnamese kid is found dead in a uh hotel room and they, they go to the hotel manager. He's like, I don't know. I rented the room to some Chinese kid. And they're like, the guy's like, well, they all look the same to me or whatever. And one of the cops is like, whoa, they don't all look the same. And the other cops actually cut him off and are like, oh, calm down. <laughs> and they apologize to the hotel manager for getting caught because a cop called him out on his racism. And it's like, that's weird, right? Because mm-hmm. it's, it's also strange that like, in some ways, this movie is very egalitarian in that. Okay, so you you basically have two villains, and it is one like Vietnamese dude and one white dude, and it is the Vietnamese dude at, that is at least fighting for a cause, right? He at least is the anti-communist guy. It's the the white American businessman that doesn't give a shit about any of that and is strictly in it for the money. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like. On the one hand, this film is oddly racist. On the other hand, it's like they're trying not to be, but it's the 80s, so they don't know how to not be racist. Because <laughs> there's also little things, like at the beginning when you're meeting the family and there's like Christian Slater is like the white skateboarder kid who keeps getting in trouble. And then like his brother has like an 80s version of a laptop and he's just always doing math. <laughs> it's like, I don't think they intended to be racist when they just made the Asian kid good at math, but he, he just does an awful lot of math in the first 20 minutes of this movie. <laughs> it's like, they're just really bad at not being racist. It's not their fault, I guess. It's just the 80s. Oh, 80s. You're so racist. So, first time watch for you, correct, Doug? Yeah. So, what did you think? Um, I, th- I thought it was interesting as a movie. I, I enjoyed watching it. I mean, some of the, the cheesiness was uh, in full force. Um, I forgot to mention this movie is brought to you by Pizza Hut. Um, they must have they must have put in at least half the budget for the amount of advertising they get in this movie. Because early on in the movie, I was like rolling my eyes, like, "Oh, this is a dumb kids movie." Because there's there's a lot of like dumb shit, like they bribe a pilot to take them up in the air so they can 
fly around and look for the best swimming pools to go skateboarding in, as mm -hmm. if somehow that makes sense. Like, the, first of all, these kids have this enough money to do that, like to pay a guy for the fuel, pay the guy enough to risk getting caught taking the plane and to cover the cost of the fuel and everything involved. And then I, it, I'm not really sure. Like, I guess he just takes them back to the airport and then they have to skateboard to the place where they. Yeah. I, I guess like it's not really explained how they get from in the plane yeah. to in the pool. Well, so I mean, for, they have a map with them, so they're trying to map like what block and stuff stuff is on. Okay. So they're basically just scouting, see what they can find. Yeah, but that okay. So as that's happening in the opening scenes of the movie, I'm like, this is like a dumb kids movie, and I'm kind of rolling my eyes. But I can mm -hmm. sometimes enjoy that. Mm -hmm. And then all this like intrigue about. <laughs> Vietnam War <laughs> still being fought covertly creeps up and I'm like I don't know if like I'm thinking okay this movie came out in 89 I'd have been like you know, nine years old or something when I watched it for the first time I don't know for sure that I would have understood all of that so the whole the whole movie no. I keep thinking like who is this movie for again besides us like obviously it's for adults who still watch kids movies from the 80s and like to sit around and talk about them great but who was this for in 1989 like <laughs> what person was doing this in 1989 that would have made any sense to make this movie uh i have no idea if it is because even at the at the end of the movie when like the skateboarding crew comes together to like mm. fight the bad guys it's like this weird combination of like an 80s cop movie where the guy takes like obviously the head bad guy takes the other guy's daughter hostage like as if you couldn't predict that the minute that girl showed up on screen <laughs> at the beginning of the movie and you're like okay he's got her taken hostage obviously christian slater's character is gonna have to be involved in rescuing her he's gonna have to work together with that cop who's been button heads with the whole movie like all that is obvious and then the other kids just show up it with skateboards and a Pizza Hut delivery vehicle. <laughs> and they're just the thing is, is, if you need somebody with skateboarding skills to save the day, why have Christian Slater do it when his best friend is Tony Hawk? Yeah. <laughs> oh, and that I mean that's that's the other thing that made this feel like a kids movie in some ways was just clearly Christian Slater is not great on a skateboard. I'm not saying he can't ride one. I'm saying not good enough to do all the tricks that are needed for this movie. Uh, and, and I'm just like. I have info on that. We'll get into it. Okay. But it's just, I mean, it's not edited well at all. Oh, that it's stunt not, double is bad. It's, it, right. it's, but again, it, in, in a kid's movie from 1989, it was fine. But if this is an adult movie about, let's just, let's have a, this intricate discussion about the Vietnam War and use, and whether it's okay to funnel money into keep, keeping the war, war effort alive if you're still fighting communism and stuff. I don't know that you can get away with the stunt double stuff they pulled in this. I, I was getting ready to say, I don't even think I can accept that kids' movies aren't that bad with stunt doubles. They know to at least cut away from the bad stunt double, not linger on his face for seconds at a time. Well, I don't know. I think if you go back and you watch a lot of kids' movies that involve any kind of athletics, it, this is kind of on par from my perspective. When you, you go back and you watch anything where kids are supposed to be doing a sport and they 
never trained a kid to do a sport until 1997 or something. They just they just got <laughs> actors to just like, and then they'd be like full grown adults actually doing the sports. Yeah, it's like a 10 year old, but the stunt double has like a full like mustache and stuff. Yeah. Well, there's and there's that like one famous scene of uh, Woody Harrelson plays a football player in some movie, and the like when they cut back, the stunt double's a black guy, and you're like, I I'm not big on using race and casting but if you're going to be the stunt double for, for Woody Harrelson you're, you're going to have to be a white guy <laughs> so He's pretty marshmallowy. y yeah. yeah uh so what did you think Noah well I found I found parts of it very entertaining um I, I this is a weird complaint so there, there are movies that people like a whole lot that I always have giant issues with, like the movie Footloose. Sure. I don't like Footloose. I think Footloose is one of the dumbest fucking movies ever made, and I don't understand why people like it. And out of all the dumb things in that movie that I hate is the weird, angry dance scene in the barn. Where oh, I bet, like, I bet. Yeah, I know what you did. Like, this, this movie does it on a skateboard. It's the same fucking scene. It's, it does it a couple of times. Yeah. For fuck's sakes, what in the sweet fuck? <laughs> no. That's how he gets his aggression out. No. He just goes I and skates. We- weirdly, though, like, I do know some people that ride skateboards. And, like, yeah, when they're, like, super angry at the world, they grab their board and they head off on their own. And they do weird shit on their skateboard. Like, they I'm sure over. they do. I don't know that that makes it a good scene for a movie. And hopefully they do it far enough away that people can't see them because the last thing you need when you're feeling angry and depressed is for people to open mouth laugh at you for being an idiot and trying to angry skate your problems away. (laughs) I mean, keep in mind, this is an 80s movie about a teenager. They will be angsty. They will have that scene where they go off and do whatever. And in his defining characteristic was skateboarder. He's going to go do that, right? It wouldn't matter. If he was a painter, there would have been a scene of him angrily painting. It doesn't matter, right? It was the 80s. It was, I think it was just in the contracts. They just had to do it. Like I said, besides, I, I, like, I liked the movie. I don't, I don't really have, besides the, the weirdness like that, I don't have a lot of complaints. My biggest complaint is, for a movie that's supposed to be kind of about skateboarding, there's not enough skateboarding in this movie. There's like skateboarding at the beginning and at the end, and there is not a lot of skateboarding in the middle other than him going to commit an act of terrorism by blowing up a propane tank and <laughs> invading the guards by by turtle scooting on his skateboard across the ground. I do like that he, uh, because like, you know, you got to be cool about it. He does put the, the little like makeshift bomb on the skateboard and roll it towards the propane tank so he can hide far away. <laughs> Thought that was a nice touch. By the way, well, this dude just I like that he. Skateboards. Yeah. yeah, I'd say I like that he does it, and then nobody can figure out who like caused the explosion. Well, there because there's a scene later where the cop shows up and he's like, "You did this, didn't you?" So my mind inserted in the movie that like that cop found like a skateboard wheel and like just stuck in his pocket or something. But that didn't happen in the movie. I just made that up. <laughs> I think I was just enjoying the movie just enough that I wanted it to make sense. Um, was anybody disappointed by the end of the movie where he saves the day with a 
just to Ollie. Just, just, he just goes down and I don't think that just an Ollie is how you describe that. He flies through the air for like 45 seconds. <laughs> and he nails a guy in the face with his board and takes a huge hit himself. Yeah, but it's still, it's just, he just rides down a ramp. Like, yeah. like it's, it's not like, there's a scene where he does five minutes of crazy little foot flippy tricky pogo bullshit. <laughs> and, and the big finale is, Ramp! Oh, thud! Yay! <laughs> well, I think it's. I'm, I was thinking all about this. All after, of my skateboarding skills to pull that one off. But but, how the hell do you write a climax to this movie that involves a great deal of skateboarding in it? Because none I, of the none of the villains are going to know how to ride a skateboard, so you can't have like the guys fighting on a skateboard, which is what you would expect. Well, I mean the uh, the scene with the motorcycles. Yeah. Where he's uh, out skateboarding them in the streets. Yeah, that I was think right. that, that is it done right. That end scene, they could have done anything to make it better. They could have put a truck there, and he could have just done a little grind on the truck and then hit the guy, and you'd be like, yeah, sick moves, bro. <laughs> Not just ragdolling into some guy. <laughs> Uh, it was it was just a full on personal sacrifice though. He just launches himself at that guy with no plan for his own personal safety <laughs> to save the girl that was definitely not a love interest, even though obviously at one point in the script she was. And we were just like, oh, it's a little weird that he's hitting on his dead brother's girlfriend. So we'll just I edit that down. He clearly manipulates his dead brother's girlfriend just to get yep. him to her house to go through her dad's shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, even that's a little icky. You're like, mm, I don't like that. It was, it was a little weird, and it was a little weird how easily everybody was manipulated by him. I put on the button-up shirt. Oh, my parents will accept you now. Basically. Uh, I will say I have not seen this in a long time. I saw it when I was younger and remember enjoying it. Uh, it is rather. It does drag some in the middle. Like Noah said, not enough, not enough skateboarding in the skateboarding movie. But overall, it was still somewhat enjoyable. But it'll probably be a while before I watch it again. Did, did you think the skateboarding just felt kind of forced in? Like it wasn't. This was originally a more adult script, and somebody was like, "That's a little dumb for adults. Let's make it into a kids movie." And somebody else was like, how could it be a kid's movie without skateboards? And they're like, well, we know how to fix that. <laughs> no problem. Because, <laughs> I mean, if, if these, if the characters had just been adults instead of kids, or even just the like, college age, right? This mm. would have just been a more traditional intrigue thriller about trying to uncover this plot. And you just take the skateboards out, and they're just whatever. The, that guy could still work at Pizza Hut if you need the money for the budget, but it wasn't. <laughs> Uh, I just love that you were so infatuated by the fact that Pizza Hut was so prominent in this movie. It was so prominent. He drives a Pizza Hut truck throughout the movie. For the climax of the movie, it's just him driving a Pizza Hut truck with all the other skateboard guys in the back of it. There's a point where they're when they're up in the plane early on in the movie where the guy's like, hey, there's my, there's my house. And the other guy's like, Hey, there's my dad's house, and there's my mom's house, and he's pointing in different directions, and you know, because it's the '80s, so every third family had to be divorced. And then the other guy's like, "There's my Pizza Hut," and then they focus in on it, and they're all like, "Yeah, Pizza Hut," and then they just go on with the movie. 
<laughs> it was one step away from just cutting to a commercial. Did did we mention that clearly one of his friends is a homeless kid who's living in some kind of sewer lair? <laughs> oh, you know what? Though when I was a kid, I would have fucking loved that. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> Everybody, it's one of the best parts of the movie. I was like, oh shit, sewer layer. You really need to like have a I lot of sewer layer. I'm pretty sure bomb. it's supposed to be a bomb shelter. Yeah. yeah, it's a bomb shelter. They installed a lot of those, what was in the 50s and 60s in, on yeah. Cal- in California. So, so that, yeah, they obviously bought a house and like the kids like, can I just live in the fallout shelter? And the parents are like, I'm high on pills and wine. I don't care what you do. It is the 80s and we are doing so much cocaine right now. Yeah. It's probably actually safer for you to be in there. <laughs> oh, trust yeah, me, trust I, me I, I, after when I watched it when I was younger, I'm like, that would be fucking awesome to well, live in a bomb shelter in the backyard. When I was a kid, like I would try to convince my parents to put in a bomb shelter. <laughs> and they would try to explain to me that it was largely unnecessary. <laughs> like, but you never know. So maybe we should just have one because they look cool on TV. <laughs> Uh, I was jealous. Even still, I was jealous of that, that kid's room. I was like, can I put a bomb shelter in my backyard and just live out there? Do you think my wife would be okay with it? <laughs> she's probably fine with it. <laughs> I'm sure once you go to her with that proposal, she's like, yeah, yeah, go live in the bomb shelter. It's fine. <laughs> You're out there with a shovel the next day. <laughs> I'm going to make one myself. I probably should have taken an engineering class before I started digging this hole, but whatever. <laughs> Half an hour later, I'm like, I'm over it. I don't want this anymore. I'll just turn my basement into a bomb shelter. <laughs> uh, so I guess we're sort of positive on this movie for all of its 80s-ness. Yeah, I think it's it's 80s in the good 80s way. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous where it needs to be. I still think, like, there's almost two different movies here, like, and that's probably why this movie isn't, you know, it has a bit of a cult following, but the reason it's not a more well-known film is because I don't know who would have watched it when it was new. I just don't even understand. Because as a kid, I would have got so bored. And as an adult, I, like, I should be saying, wow, there's way too much annoying skateboarding and teen angst in this movie. But luckily, I'm not a real grown-up, so I enjoy it. <laughs> Uh, interestingly enough, I caught this on like you know the weekend movie or whatever on one of the local stations when I was younger. Except it had a different name and was called a Brothers Justice. I've heard it referred to as that, which was weird. And so then, whenever I would like think about that movie, I always thought of a Brothers Justice. Had no idea that it was actually called Gleaming Cube, which is a weird sort of reference in the movie. And so I couldn't find it forever until I figured out that it actually, majority of it went by a different name. The thing is, A Brother's Justice is a very good movie entitled for this movie. It makes complete sense. Gleaming the Cube is just like, there's one line of dialogue somewhere in the middle where somebody vaguely says it. Mm -hmm. I don't even think they say Gleaming the Cube. I think they say, yeah. And it's just like, that's just them trying to market it to like kids who ride skateboards more. Mm, for sure. And you can clearly tell that they don't understand. Like this is what adults think. Because when Christian Slater is like finally going into like full badass mode at the end, mm-hmm. he puts on the best pads because his mom went out and spent the real money on the best pads, and they're all like shiny black. And then he builds that new 
board and it looks like it's supposed to look futuristic almost the way it's like black and shiny and everything and i'm like I don't think that's what kids who ride skateboards think a cool skateboard looks like. <laughs> like their idea of a cool guy with his pads would be all scratched up and that board would have like the name of whatever skateboard company written on it. That was cool that year. Mm-hmm. Like it wouldn't, you know what I mean? Like it was clearly an adult's version of what they thought kids were going to find cool, which is always entertaining to me watching adults try to understand children. <laughs> and it always, it always makes me assume that when I try to act cool, like, anybody under the age of 35 just looks at me like I'm an asshole. <laughs> uh, so, interestingly enough, when I was looking up, like, trying to find this movie on YouTube and whatnot, I did come across a video. I think Tony Hawk has, like, his own, like, I don't want to say, like, TV station. It's probably just, like, a YouTube channel or something. Uh, okay, I know the video you're talking about, and I didn't get a chance to watch it. Uh, okay. Uh so he apparently Christian Slater and Tony Hawk became really good friends on this movie and still awesome. still keep in touch and still like get together like when when they get a chance to so i watched this video and so they're talking about like Tony Hawk says that he still gets people that come up to him and ask him like how much skating Christian Slater did in the movie and he talks about how, I mean, he obviously had a lot of doubles, as we talked about. There was like a couple other professional skateboarders, names of whom I have never heard in my entire life. So they're not Tony Hawk. Uh, yeah. Apparently doubled for him. And I think one of them got hurt doing a stunt. And so that's why the other one took over. Um, so he said people still ask him about how much skating he did. And he said that, you know, obviously he had a double, but what he said that him and all the other skate kids were really impressed because apparently before getting ready for this movie, Christian Slater had never even stood on a skateboard. So he had no, like, no concept of how to actually be a skater. But they said that he, you know, put himself into it, did as much work as possible to make himself at least seem a little comfortable just riding the skateboard when it was shots of him, you know, just skating on a flat surface. So if anything, they said that they were just really impressed with the amount of work that he put into it and how quickly he actually picked it up with it never stepping on a skateboard before. Well, see, here's the thing about Christian Slater is he's, mm-hmm. people tend to think that he's a bit of a joke and they use the mm-hmm. name as he's that guy from the 80s kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But go back and look at his performances from that time. He's actually a hell of a good actor. Like this yeah. movie came out what one year after Heather's, which we're going to talk about sometime in the next month. Mm-hmm. And look at how different the characters are in, in the way they talk, in the way they act, in the way like there are certain mannerisms in that that you're going to see carried through because it's, it is the same actor, but it's so different. And like, I still remember his scenes from the legend of Billy Jean, where he's like the kid that gets all beat up. And I remember feeling bad for him when I was a little kid watching that movie. And it's like, I shouldn't have had empathy at that point, but he was able to bring that out of me. And, you know, we talked about him in the wizard. He was funny in that movie. Um, you know, and keep in mind that like, he's like young guns too, is what like one or two years after this one. It's a very, very different movie. 
But you know what? I'm looking at it right now. Young Guns 2 and Pump Up the Volume came out in the same year. Look at it. Uh, like, if you're... If, if this is Slater September and you're thinking about watching other Christian Slater movies <laughs> along with us, watch movies like that and tell me that, that he's not playing a completely different character in all these different types of movies. Mm. It's He's clearly dedicated to his, his craft and he's quite good at what he does. Mm. And you don't think of him in that light because he has kind of a recognizable face and he is sort of like, you know, I don't know, he's just he's one of those guys that was in a bunch of stuff in the eighties and stuff that all seems cheesy now when you look back on it. But he was doing something right, and there's a reason why he was making, you know, three or four movies a year back then. Yeah. Yeah, did anybody else watch the T V show he was on called I think My Own Worst Enemy or something like that? No. Uh I actually enjoyed it. It got cancelled after one season. Um, he played this guy who worked for some, you know, generic company where all he did was sit behind a computer all day and then whatever. Um, then the conceit of the show was he didn't know, but he had this weird microchip in his head and that he, when it would be activated, he's actually like a secret agent and it was played like like serious like it wasn't like goofy or nothing okay um and then i enjoyed the show and i was disappointed and my point that i that was explained to other people is the the two different characters were completely different and the thing in since it's an old show and it got canceled it doesn't matter the spoiler that we find out about halfway through the first season is is his little uh, sort of mousy character that goes to work at the office is actually the made-up identity, not the secret agent. Like he was originally this badass secret agent who had to go. I don't remember. He had to somewhat retire or whatever, and so they kind of put him as like a sleeper agent, like at this company or something. And then. In the show, like the chip gets damaged, so he's swapped, switching back and forth between personalities, like at random, and also they sort of become aware of each other. So it, it was just a really interesting acting experiment where he is two completely different characters, even though he's supposed to be the same person. And I just thought it was really good, and I was disappointed. That just sounds like really interesting. Yeah. So no, I totally agree. Totally love Christian Slater. Hey, it's all right. Thanks <laughs> for putting your heart and soul into that answer. Yes. Um, so yeah, recommend Gleaming the Cube. If you've never seen it, give it a watch. Just kind of know what you're in for after this review. So yeah. Uh, I, I, I recommend it for a very specific audience, but it's probably the kind of audience that's listening to our Slater September episodes. So. Mm -hmm. Agreed. So I was going to recap Airborne since uh, I'm the one that picked a team up with this. Would you, would, would you rather me recap it? Since Noah exclaimed his disdain for Seth Green for some reason in the chat, I'm going to let Noah recap this movie. <laughs> 
it's it's not so much that I hate Seth Green. I hate movies where Seth Green is a main component in the movie <laughs> because he's he's very humorous and tolerable in small amounts. But the second you like leave him there to act for a minute, you realize, oh, he's not a good actor. <laughs> he's not funny. Why? Why is he here? Other than being a nerd. But, so, uh, Airborne. This movie is what happens when a movie producer finds his 10-year-old daughter's fan fiction that she wrote after watching the X Games uh, about her hot new boyfriend that was a cool surfer guy who moved from California who's also really good at skating and stuff. And uh, he comes to town in, in their small town in Ohio, and it turns out he's also really good at hockey. And uh, all the popular girls want to do him, and all the cool boys are jealous of him. But after he falls in love with her, he uh, he has to overcome his own coolness <laughs> to find a way to be less cool to win over the rest of the cool kids. And uh, then make good with her brother so that he can date her by helping him win a downhill skating competition. Uh, I'm so glad I let you do this. <laughs> that was a weirdly accurate description of this movie. <laughs> uh, so let me preface this by saying I fully expect both of you to hate this movie. <laughs> Uh, this is a movie that I caught towards the end of junior high and high school, like beginning of high school, that I don't know, just uh, hit me on the perfect day, apparently, and I just have a nice nostalgic soft spot for this movie. Uh, completely makes no sense. Uh, when I make people watch this movie, they're like, what the fuck are we watching? And I have to be like, yeah, I know, but just, 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 just let me enjoy it. <laughs> and so I purposely teamed it up with Leave Me the Cube. Even though I knew both of you would uh, not enjoy it, you but blatantly lied to us, dude. You told me this was a skateboarding movie. No, I it's told the only you extreme sport he doesn't play. In the whole I told thing. you it was rollerblading because when we were setting up Slater September back on two episodes ago, you said, "Well, they're both extreme sports that people pretended to like for like five minutes back then." So, jokes on you, sir. I don't think I said that. I I will tell you one thing that this movie uh, proves yeah. that I've had a theory of forever. It doesn't matter how good you are at rollerblading. You look <laughs> like a fucking idiot. <laughs> like, even when you're in a downhill battle to the death with people, like, slamming into cars and stuff, you still look like a loser doofus on the fucking rollerblades. <laughs> uh. <sighs> So I'm going to guess big fans all around. Actually, I'm not saying I hated this movie. <laughs> I'm just saying it's uh, it's fanfic. Like, I've never seen a main character have less growth in a movie before in my fucking life. And there are movies about robots. Doug? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Doug, big fan? Um, no. Uh. <laughs> I think it's that you both picked movies that I've absolutely hated. You guys were fine to sit through this one. It's, the thing about this movie is, okay, so the movie opens, this kid is surfing in 
California. Mm-hmm. Then it takes the completely nonsensical turn of his parents have to leave to go to Australia. Yeah. For six months. Yes. And they can't pull him out of school to go to Australia, so they send him to Cincinnati. Yeah. Already the film has lost me. Already I'm like, <laughs> even if I was nine when I watched this, I'd go, wait a minute. If you can't take him out of school to go to Australia, how come you can take him out of school to go to Cincinnati? Well, because he's still in school in Cincinnati. But they don't, I, they don't have schools in Australia? Listen, <laughs> Australia is a savage wasteland filled with deadly spiders and scorpions. They don't have schools. I think they do. I think the only way kids survive past the age of four is by locking them in schools all day. <laughs> they were allowed outside, they'd get eaten for sure. Now all there is is hordes of rabid dingoes and people with boomerangs defending <laughs> <laughs> gun welding uh, kangaroos, as we saw in Crocodile Dundee 2. That's what I was getting ready to say, and you just gotta hope you got a Paul Hogan-esque type alive. <laughs> Uh, uh. all right so that's where the movie lost me and that was about two minutes in Mm. but i was like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna press press through this because i have to and i'm I'm gonna see what i can find to enjoy it and there is some minor humor in this movie that i think works Mm -hmm. it didn't work on me but it may have worked on me had i been you know eight when i saw this the first time like there's the scene where all the kids are trying to do like prove they can speak and they're all talking about what they want to be when they grow up or whatever mm-hmm. for some reason and i think that would have been funny to me i like i vaguely remember having seen that scene before and i, <laughs> I think that like probably when i was 10 i found that funny but yeah i didn't now it's, it's just the image of jack black getting frustrated and just walking away yeah like i think that probably was funny back then <laughs> Anybody buying his California bullshit? (laughs) (laughs) But the biggest problem with this movie is definitely that he's the surfer kid. He moves to Cincinnati. And the rest of the movie has nothing to do with surfing. He's carrying a surf. Like, first of all, he brings a surfboard to Cincinnati. Which is what I said to Amanda when we were watching it. That makes me not like him. That's. That just makes you a fucking special level of douchebag. I don't think you understand that he is a fucking genius, enlightened <laughs> super super boy who knows Gandhi and goes to a special spirit surfing place where he communes with a shark named Pepe to save the day. All right, I clearly didn't pay as much attention as you did. Yeah. Um, but my, my, like my point is, narratively, he has to save the day by surfing in order for this movie to make any kind of sense. The fact that he ends up in a downhill race on rollerblades at the end, after playing hockey and then playing road hockey separately at different times in this movie, it it makes no goddamn sense. There's no reference to rollerblading, like, really previous to the end, and they're like finally he's like fine we'll be friends with you if you help us win this race to the death that teenagers have in cincinnati <laughs> i know ohio's rough you're, at times you're forgetting Maybe. about the entire scene where they where his uh, parents somehow after leaving for australia ship him his rollerblades and and he uh rocky style skates down the street attacking <laughs> bringing in a group of uh uh street sport hooligans who follow him until he does that sweet, sweet sliding down the uh, staircase that they can't do on their boards. <laughs> like, 
You know, you started that sentence with you're forgetting, and you're right. I don't recall that happening in this movie. Oh, this really? Movie is, this movie is not worth my effort. Of oh, you you repressed it. It's okay. Yeah. I, Plus, he was rollerblading at the very beginning of the movie, too, before they went surfing. Seriously? Yes. Yeah, I, I watched this movie less than 24 they're, hours they're ago. They're in San Francisco going down all the steep, curvy roads, showing that he knows how to do this downhill dating bullshit okay that's fine and that's fine like okay that actually makes the movie a little better still not good no, it but then the whole <laughs> thing so happy been, the whole thing should have been that he brought his rollerblades with him and he should have been a rollerblading guy and he could have spent the whole time talking about how in california we like to rollerblade and nobody thinks he'll be good enough for the streets of cincinnati because he was raised like in california or something that's that's just foolish, Doug. First of all, when Nikki's writing her fan fiction, there is no way she's gonna write a one-dimensional character like that. He has to be a cool surfer boy who uses what is clearly California slang with a California accent. Did he just call me underwear? <laughs> that whole thing like too. saying things like bruh. <laughs> that whole thing of like he talks a little different than all the other people that was again that was like really somebody bad. who's never been to Cincinnati or to California <laughs> writing like what would kids in Cincinnati think it's strange that people from California say <laughs> well I mean is, his cousin's parents is it just me or do they have like northern Minnesota possibly Canadian accents yeah they clearly yeah clearly oh yeah Mrs. Poole yeah. But that's that's my other question. Was there a whole lot of hockey going on in Cincinnati in, in the 80s or 90s? It was in Nikki world. Like, I feel like maybe this movie was maybe partially shot in Canada and they were legally obligated to put some hockey in it. Because <laughs> I don't know what that was doing in this. In, in this like, Ameri- like If you're appealing to American teenagers, I'm assuming hockey wasn't the big thing in 1993. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. You're asking the wrong person. I don't know. I, I know that, you know, to this day, there are six NHL teams that are profitable and they're all north of the border. So <laughs> I'm just assuming. Uh, Although Columbus does have a decent fan base, I will say that. Uh, so, what's your other favorite part? Uh, Seth Green's uh, fashion show? Again, I recognize that, <laughs> like, uh, like I if, it was if, delightful. If me and my sister had watched this movie together in 1993, I probably would have laughed at the speech scene. She would have laughed at this scene. And back then, you had to watch movies with your siblings because there was only the one TV in the house, or maybe two. So I recognize that that potentially could have been funny to other people. I did not enjoy it. (laughs) Just saying, I kind of, I dug... And, and while while I have my grievances with uh, Seth Green, I actually liked his character more than the main character. <laughs> Seth Green is pretty good. Oz, like, he, he's the kid who tries too hard. Yeah. yeah. And, and tells like people from out of town stuff that they're obviously going to find out in five minutes, but still tries to play it off that he's like super popular and yeah. everybody likes him and all that stuff, which I thought was funny. I'm super into hockey, as you all know. Hockey Nintendo! <laughs> it's 
the thing is too, like since we since we praised like Christian Slater's performance, Seth Green is known for playing kind of the opposite of this, and he does a, like for a child actor doing something that is the opposite of what he's clearly known for. He did a good job in this movie. He's known for playing the sort of like slacker, I don't give a shit kind of guy. And then in this movie, as we saw in Ticks, I have not seen Ticks yet. Did we do a shit do it for a show? No, you tried to force me to, and I said yes, and then we never did it. Oh, because Scott quit. And, and now that we're sitting here talking oh, about something else, was... there was a whole nother uh, rollerblading scene of him rollerblading through the arboreum. Yeah, I remember yeah, that, part. Doug. That part I remember. <sighs> Don't you know? That rollerblading through an arboreum is the equivalent of going down a thirty <laughs> degrees grade road. While being having guys throw elbows at you and shit. Yeah, and he was also uh, he uh, played the roller hockey when he pants that dude, and that's what won him the respect of everybody in school. Yeah, because nobody yeah. likes the preps. Right? Young young Jack Black found out that he had him all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I was a, to me as a kid, as a guy that played a lot of road hockey back in the nineties, that, that scene was very offensive to me. <laughs> so really, why? Yeah, I just, it just didn't feel right. And ever, nobody ever. That was not what road hockey is. Road hockey is like five guys getting together, and they only have one net. And they, <laughs> that just felt way too organized. I'll, I'll tell you what this movie confused me with is I thought that uh, Jack Black, the actor, came after Jack Black, the musician. Mm-hmm. Apparently I was wrong. Apparently I had him flip-flop. He was, he was sneaking into teen movies. <laughs> oh, you, you think what Jack Black was doing in this movie qualifies as acting? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. As much as, as much as what Gleaming the Cube did 80s in like the good 80s way... This movie does 90s in the bad 90s. <laughs> yeah. I won't disagree with that. <laughs> like, for people who haven't seen it, that, that fashion show sequence that we were discussing earlier, mm-hmm. it is literally, like, every time Seth Green comes back on camera, he's not just in a different outfit. He's in a different, like, stereotype outfit. So he's, like, one time he's, like, a gangster rapper, and the next time he's, like, all goth and it's just it just rotates through every stereotype that teenagers may have dressed as between 1985 and 1995 it's that's what we're talking about when we say bad 90s it's that kind of shit mm-hmm. it's like what should i be today it's like i don't know Listen, we all- Doug, it's just like gandhi said <laughs> no it's more there, like there what was like, said i am what i am yeah, there, but there, that was like a weirdly positive message to just edit in here, which like, again, if you were showing this movie to kids that are age appropriate to be watching it, you would say like, yeah, teach kids that you shouldn't have 40 outfits in the closet that are each one different. They, you should have the ones that are whoever you want to be. But I just think most teenagers already do that. Like, <laughs> And most teenagers are more like the Christian Slater character, where the parents are like, could you just dress like a human being for a while? And they're like, no, I have to dress like this for reasons. <laughs> At least that's my memory of high school. And 93, I was in high school, so. All right, guys, I have to interrupt the podcast and tell you the story of whenever I used to be a surfing badass. Oh, I used Jesus. to be a bully, and then I, I totally accidentally took out this kid on a boogie board <laughs> and somehow this story ends 
with me being a hero. <laughs> it didn't. Yeah, when they stopped it, that was like, was that an homage to the really inappropriate scene from Gremlins about the father dying? They're like, let's have a story in here about how he like murdered a guy one time for boogie boarding your. The kid lived. He just had a giant scar on his head. Yeah, that felt like a rewrite. Like, ah, we can't kill the child in the story. That's a little too far. And that's why now I never fight a people warrior. <laughs> that's why I never fight, because I maimed a child. It's like 13-year-old kids or whatever the fuck they're supposed to be. Like, this one time I maimed a guy, so now I try not to get into fights anymore. I really fucked this little kid up for life, but I really found my inner peace doing it, so it was all worth it. Seth Green had his learner's permit. He was at least 15. All right. <laughs> uh, did we mention, uh, I'm sure we didn't, because I know you guys definitely want to talk about every detail of this movie, uh, that, of course, the girl the girl he's in love with is uh, his big nemesis's uh, nemesis? Nemesi? His big, his big, uh, his big bully's uh, sister? Of course. Because that, 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 that's what ties it back into his cruel jaws from last week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, good lord. So hard. You know, we love uh, the, the most fan fiction y part of this whole movie was definitely that scene where the, he was going around naming all the different plants based on, like, with her covering up the signs. <laughs> like, that made, that made me, like, the high school version of me kind of came out and I just wanted to find that kid and beat the shit out of him. <laughs> Did you roll your eyes so hard you almost had a seizure? <laughs> thank thank God we live in the era where every room has at least two or three screens in it so I could like be looking away at something else. Did, did we mention the part where the, uh, the asshole kids force him and his doofy cousin to play hockey, which they've clearly never done before, and then mercilessly torture them for three weeks for not being good at it. Yeah. The thing is, it's so fucking dumb because they they go on and on about how they want to win this game, but then they force the kid that's never played hockey to play to try to teach him a lesson for being from out of town, which is a reason that you have to be taught a lesson. And it's like, what, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you're clearly costing yourself the game here. And they do because it's the way it plays out. And it's like, well, that's just you guys brought that upon yourself. <laughs> yeah, uh, teenagers, they don't know it better. How do you, okay, you know if you're trying to win a hockey game, Mm-hmm. Get good hockey players and get them to be on your team. That you know, yeah. teenagers know that much. Sure. <laughs> but he was he was actually not horrible at it. He just scored the scored at the wrong goal, and it's probably because he's from California. <laughs> it's because his parents were in Australia, and the the toilets go the wrong way there, so you shoot the opposite way when you play hockey. It's a whole thing. Yeah, totally. Don't know what direction the goal was in, brah. <laughs> Now I have to make another speech about Nicky. But he also does that, I'm like... going to be gone in three months, but you're worth it. You're worth that, it. <laughs> that shot, though, in the, in the hockey game, he takes a shot from, like, the middle of the ice, too. That's how good he was, Doug. Jack Black's character. No. Like, no, first of all, <laughs> like, if you're Jack Black's character and you're the goaltender for this team... That's your fault that that puck went in. I don't care. And second of all, like, no, a guy who's never played hockey for it probably couldn't get the puck to slide down the ice that distance, let alone, like, pick off the top corner. <laughs> it was just, it was offensive. 
Uh, did anybody feel bad for him when he was in the bathroom and everybody poured water and all the toilet paper? I mean, like, no, that's a bad that. situation, but there, there's a better answer to that than walking with your shitty ass to the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, maybe that character does have a flaw, and the flaw is walk down the hallway with shit. <laughs> That's answer number one. Answer number two, if you want to be real gross, you flush the toilet, and then once there's not poopy water in it, splash a little water on there. <laughs> you, don't, you don't just, like, shit streak your way down the hall and go about your day with fucking shit all over the place. <laughs> Uh, uh, did anybody else find Doug was this one of the funny moments for you where he comes home and just sits in the hallway and Mrs. Poole thinks he's on drugs so she's calling 911 I remember I recognize <laughs> everything involving the parents like every time the parents came in I thought oh right this is like the Disney Channel exclusive movie so those, like, basically that same set of annoying parents exists on all of those movies, right? Like, they just have, like, eight actors that just rotate through playing the mom and dad. And they're just, it's just like, uh, I don't know. She's at least got horror cred, though. She was in uh, Carrie. Yeah. I don't know. And, again, I don't blame any of the actors for what happened in this movie. It's a script <laughs> issue. It's... <laughs> Like they're all doing what they're supposed to do. It's just nobody should have made them do that. <laughs> well, we're looking stuff up for this movie. I found, I found the lead actor on Instagram. Okay. He, is, he pretty much a couple years after this, he retired from acting. That's good. That's a good plan. Tired of the Hollywood Hollywood bullshit, and yeah. uh, is now a realtor down in Galveston, Texas. Good for him. I'm glad he made that life decision. And if you go to his website to like look at his realtor business, oh shit, you got real deep. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of research. He, uh, well, I found his Instagram and it just has a link right to his thing. Yes. And uh, in the bio of his company, he full on talks about how he was in the movie Airborne with pictures and everything. Well, I get. You know what? If I was a real estate agent, I would do that too. Yeah, because there's going to be some percentage of people who are going to go. All right, I'll pick this guy because it's funny. <laughs> Do you think while well, he's showing people houses that he just goes, you know, it's like Gandhi said. <laughs> that is one of my favorite things, though, when you go to like any town and there's like always like realtors or insurance salesmen, and they are always like they still got the pictures of them up in the high school uniform and stuff because they want to remind people you knew who I was once. So <laughs> since you knew who I was once, you should use my services because basically all realtors or insurance salesmen are the same. So you can come in here and reminisce for five minutes. I mean, if you could have lunch with three people, who would it be? Be the the greatest surfer alive, Gandhi, you, Nikki, you. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I'm Dear so diary. happy. I'm so happy you guys hated this movie as much as I thought you would. <laughs> I didn't hate it. I thought it was hilarious that it's clearly some child's fan fiction. There, you will never convince me it's not. <laughs> no, it it does feel like it was. Like at least the stuff between those two characters was all written by a twelve-year-old girl. 
And come on, at the end, when he has a chance to win the whole thing for the entire team, but he stops, and he's like, we got a race to win, Jack, and then helps him up. Come on. Well, I mean, she's gotta win. he's got to win over the brother. That's like, that's what the knight in shining armor does. That way he's in with the family. <laughs> when the three months is over, he's not going to go back to California. He's going to stay. Unless they're going to get married. That's the follow-up movie. He goes back and he's forgotten how to surf and he just gets bullied by those guys because he hasn't surfed in three months. Look at Johnny. Johnny from Karate Kid shows up and starts like, making fun of him, throwing his boombox down and stuff. Big big twist. Bad guy from Karate Kid 2 shows up. <laughs> Accidentally strangles him to death. It's like, oh, we didn't know this was a Karate Kid 2 bad guy double feature. Christian Slater comes back, has to solve the mystery of who killed this surfer bro. <laughs> that would that'd be phenomenal. And guess what? All in on that crossover. He's got a new skateboarding boyfriend. <laughs> uh, I love you just as much as the last guy, Nikki. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MN Drive-In Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Alright, I've got one piece of feedback that we actually forgot to read last week. So Noah, you want to do the honors and read uh, read our feedback? From Raccoon, aka Riku. Uh, I'm rising to the provocation for more email. Uh, I'm a Bakshi fan, of course you are, and glad you guys seem to enjoy the movies this week. So, so I'll get to a question: What's your favorite pizza toppings? Much love, Riku. Yeah, it makes sense. <clears throat> Uh, I gotta, I gotta go with the standard, uh, standard pepperoni, pepperoni fan. It depends on what pizza place we're talking. No, 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 no. But you gotta be talking in general. You, you gotta assume. I think for the purposes of the conversation, you have to assume. Look, somebody's just coming to you and saying, "I'll give you a slice of pizza. You can pick one topping." Now, that means the cheese it, and the sauce are already on there. I you think it says toppings, sir. Toppings. <laughs> well, no, that's a, that's obviously a typo. <laughs> just, the correct answer is pepperoni. It's 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 a classic for a reason. See, once again, I I, I don't think I agree with that. Well, if it's if it's deep dish pizza, the answer is sausage. See, nope, there was no room for the word if in that answer, though. That's the whole point of me putting those rules out was to avoid you dragging this into some weird corner. Just answer it in one word. Oh, this is getting drugs, sir. <laughs> you can't ask me a food question and then paint me into a box, Doug. I'm not like a Nikki boyfriend. I can't just be neatly placed into a position. But besides that, I have. Do you know what? I don't know. Just I, I, I so we can all move on with our day, man. No, it's not pepperoni. Pepperoni is okay. 
but I don't. I can't remember the last time I ate a pepperoni pizza. Mm. I just did a couple weeks ago. If I get pepperoni, I get pepperoni and sausage. Yeah, pepperoni lovers from Pizza Hut. That's. Oh, see, that just that sounds like greasy shit in your pants nightmare stuff. It is. That's why it's so good. My my favorite pizza is I go to Pies the Limit, and I get fresh mozzarella and meatballs and artichokes and roasted red peppers and uh, olive oil and basil and roasted garlic. That's where it's at. All right. So what about you, Doug? Oh, it's just, just pepperoni, man. Just pepperoni? Leave it at that. Yeah, it's boring. It's not, no, because the question is asking us, you pick one that you can always rely on. It says Ings. Ings, there's an S. That is a typo. <laughs> uh, uh, um, I actually did find another piece of uh, feedback in our spam folder. Oh, shit. Not from Eric. Uh, but oh, the sub- subject line says, hey, the Midnight Drive-In, I really like the content of your Instagram feed. Sweet. <clears throat> says, hi, I really like the content of your Instagram feed. You have a great cadence with your posts. I'm the community manager at Gold Nitro, a new Instagram automation service that helps people grow their following. Ah, oh, fuck. We're looking for people like you to join our early access group and give us candid feedback. Early access gets you first look at new features. Uh, and this says, why is this message in spam? Lots of messages from this email address were identified as spam in the past. And I agree. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't sound like spam to me. For, for a second there, whenever it was gushing over the Instagram feed, I thought it was going to be signed like totally not Doug. And it's just a picture <laughs> of Doug with a twilled mustache. <laughs> Sometimes I do have a twilled mustache. <laughs> just means I haven't shaved my mustache in a while. <laughs> All right. So, what did everybody watch since the last episode? Because I didn't watch Jack shit. Uh, I finished uh, Last Man on Earth. Yeah. Up to where it got canceled, which kind of sucks because, man, that really left you hanging. <laughs> Seems weird. Seems like that'd be a show that like Netflix would pick up for like a last like six episode season or something. Yeah, the very the very end of the last season set up pretty good for like even a movie, because mm. they could tie shit off real good in an hour and a half. Uh, and then I started watching Orange Is the New Black. Yeah, it's all right. Pretty entertaining. It's got that lady from uh, Star Trek in it. Which, which lady from Star Trek? Uh, oh, the one Star that played Trek, the, Yeah, the yeah. one on Voyager that played the captain. Yeah, who in this plays like an angry Russian lady. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty awesome. There's boobs in it. I was gonna say lots of nudity. Lots That's of nudity. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, I think that's pretty much it. I didn't really have a chance to watch anything else. Mm. But you, Doug? Uh, I I had a rough week, guys. Oh. <laughs> I've been, uh, as you know, I've been corrupting my nine-year-old niece. Mm-hmm. She, was, she was here much of the week, and she's wanted to watch superhero stuff. Oh, I bet you were like, "What? Get the fuck out of my house! I can't, I can't handle this." Oh, I was excited <laughs> until she's flipping through Netflix and she stops on those amazing Spider-Man movies, uh, and I made a big mistake and I said, "We can watch anything else you want." 
So, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 3 is playing five minutes later. (laughs) And I'm like, you fool. What did I do? I should have said anything but Spider-Man. We've watched all the good Spider-Man movies together already. I just wasn't thinking quick enough. You're like, I'm not going to watch those amazing Spider-Man movies that were just okay and not great. Pick something no, else. They were, they, were, they were atrocious. Let's let's. The, I'm, only problem I, I, the only problem I had with the first one is the recap of the origin. The only problem I had with the first one was a. It was a remake of Raimi's, which I don't know why you would remake a movie and then do it worse when the other one is so fresh in your memory. Sure. And b. It was objectively terrible on every level. Of <laughs> Okay. That was like a lot of the scenes in that movie. I haven't seen it since theaters, but a lot of the scenes in that Amazing Spider-Man one were just completely nonsensical. And it was like it was to the point where it's like he had a digital camera, but he was still using one of those old timey label makers to put his name on shit. And I'm like, well, you can't; those can't exist at the same time frame. So stop it. Anyways, that's not the movie I'm here to complain about. A digital camera and an old timey label maker. You're a fucking weirdo, though. It's sitting on my desk. My label maker's right there. You just said you don't like pepperoni on pizza. Your opinion on everything. No, I said pepperoni is not the superior topping. (laughs) Not enough of you. Anyways, a good meatball. Superior. You know. You're calling him an idiot, but you know some of us had to watch Spider-Man three because they couldn't think fast enough. Spider-Man 3 is so much worse than I remember it being, I'll tell oh, you yeah. that. Because, like, I've always defended the movie and said it doesn't deserve the hate it gets. And, but, oh my god, the dancing Ooh, and the ridiculousness. Because it's, it's I remembered the one dancing scene being terrible, but I don't remember there's, like, four dancing scenes, and they're all terrible. And the thing, the worst thing about that movie is, like, okay, you've got the whole Venom storyline, Lots of potential there to make a really good movie out of. I don't know why they're not doing that now. They should make a good movie about that now. But then you've also got like the green, or the hobgoblin storyline, which could be very interesting. And just green goblin it. too. Whatever the fuck, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yes, yes, it does. Anyways, the movie sucked. I was very sad when I watched it. And then fucking the next night, she puts on Suicide Squad. And that's a movie that I, again, only saw in theaters. And I remember thinking, eh, it could be worse. Now that I've seen it, it's like, oh, no, not really. It really couldn't get much worse. (laughs) It's really, really terrible. And I'm sorry I watched it again, because at least, like, I had a memory of it being okay before. (laughs) But it is really just, like, that first, like, whatever it is, 40 minutes of the movie, where they're just giving you, like, mini intros for each character it is just it is so stupid and mind-numbingly dumb and then nothing happens in the movie like absolutely nothing happens in the movie there's like oh there's a bad guy over there they're like go get those guys and then 40 minutes of and this is how this person got arrested and then this is how this person got arrested. i'm pretty sure the beginning of that movie is the the director of uh Suicide Squad saw seven psychopaths, and they were like, oh, I'm just going to make seven psychopaths of superheroes. Uh, I don't know, but it's terrible. And the, the thing is about that movie is like even the stuff that people th- remember being good, like the Harley Quinn character, people seemed to like at the time when it came out. Wow. And it's like, like Margot Robbie and people like, want to touch her. She, she does look good in the costume and everything. Like, 
and her one-liners all work, but they're all like trailer one-liners. They're like in the context of the movie, they all feel so forced. And it's not her fault. It's clearly the writing and the directing that's at fault here. Like everything feels like forced. Like the whole scene was set up so that they could give her this like line to say, and you're like, ah, oh, who gives a shit? None of this matters. Oh, it's just, it's just terrible. It's Next. Just, there's nothing redeemable about that movie, and I used to think there was something a little bit redeemable about it. So no. I'm sad about that. Next time she's over there. The answer is Justice League New Frontier. I'd agree with that. Maybe. It's cartoon, and it is... I I would say it is the best animated superhero movie that's ever been. Well, I do. I do own it on DVD. I haven't. I came free with a DVD player I bought a long, long time ago. Oh my god! You never watched I, it? I watched it once when it was when I got it, and I haven't watched it in a long time. So, oh, it's so good. I've got it on Blu-ray. Yeah. I watch it all the time. Let's see. Yeah, the comic book it's based off of is really good too. She's actually here right now, so maybe I'll wake her up when we're done recording. And make wake up! <laughs> this is what you give. Yeah, you get up and you watch a good superhero movie. <laughs> it's slightly, it's slightly dry for a younger kid. But I think it's cartoony enough that it still like keeps their attention. <laughs> yeah, I love that scene with uh, Batman talking to Martian Manhunter, and he's like, "Look, I got that meteor to keep the guy in uh, Metropolis in check. With you, all I need is a book, a book of matches." And I'm just like, "Holy shit! Like that's dark." Yeah, I love how heavy they lean on Martian Manhunter too because he's one of my favorite characters and I feel like he doesn't get he's he's very Rodney danger fielding it up all the time in the DCU you know, he don't get no respect yeah I don't know. That's now I'm going to want to rewatch that <laughs> should make you watch anything else no that's that was it I put my fucking foot down I didn't watch anything else for the rest of the week every other time I had free time I'm like no I'm just not going to <laughs> you've, you've actually ruined movies for me Thank you. <laughs> uh, she could have made you watch Batman vs Superman again. No, she could not have. She could have tried. Have <laughs> there are limits. I don't know. She somehow talked you into uh, Suicide Squad. So I love the fact that in a world filled with good superhero stuff, now you're still <laughs> watching the bad superhero stuff. Well, that's the worst thing about this whole thing is how it started. She's like, "What superhero movie should I watch?" And I'm like, "I don't." She's not really familiar with the MCU per se. I'm like, why don't we start at the beginning? Why don't we just get my copy of Iron Man out, throw it in, and my fucking copy of Iron Man is missing as well. So now I got to go buy a new copy of Iron Man and somehow scrub the memory of this other shit from my mind. <laughs> and if memory serves, Noah bitched previously about not being able to find used copies of Iron Man because people who bought it never got rid of it because it's so good. So I got that whole thing going on now. <laughs> Uh, very frustrating week. <laughs> Say, Doug just got angry again. I'm getting all worked up. Still uh, good, dude. Weird roadie still throws me off, though. Now I'm so used to John Shield that I'm like, oh, weird roadie. Did you hear? Uh, see, I didn't really watch. I didn't watch any movies. Um, we did finally finish season two of Jessica Jones. Uh, I thought it was it's, okay. It's like so that. long ago that the rest of us can't discuss it intelligently anymore. Yeah, 
I thought it was a pretty. It was a. It was a nice departure. I mean, she didn't end up like having to fight an evil supervillain. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, I guess not. I mean, she sort of did at first, but I don't know. I just. I feel like it, unfortunately, following up David Tennant's Purple Man is going to be a problem anyway because he's so good. Yeah. But. I don't know. I feel like the whole, oh, her mom's still alive, which I guess, spoiler alert, um, and just that whole thing I was not into, and since that's the main push of the season, I was like, oh, I guess I'm not super into this one. Like, it was okay. It just was I didn't, I didn't, wasn't in love with it like I was hoping I would be. I'm, I'm still disappointed that they whitewashed purple. Uh, made him white instead of purple? Yeah, he's purple. He's the fucking purple man. That's why he's called Purple Man. He's purple. Well, technically, they never call him Purple Man in the show. Uh, so excited. Moving on to uh, season two, of Luke Cage. I've heard that's pretty good. So I like that one a lot. I like the Luke Cage both seasons quite a bit, though, and they're not necessarily the most popular. So. Yeah. Uh, and I guess I'm still watching Castle Rock. Which uh, has been good. I've been enjoying it. Um, there's a Salem's Lot reference in, the, in this last episode. Which I, I was su- caught up on that. Super excited about. It's been real good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw people complaining after the first episode. And I'm just like, you know, I'm like, it's one episode out of ten. You got to give it time to, to build up. I feel like they, the people just wanted like, well here's the mystery and here's the big reveal in the very first episode. I'm like, that's not how TV works. The best, uh, the, the episode that follows the mom. Yeah. Pretty much the entire episode is one of the best hours of TV I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for something in the horror genre. I know you're not caught up, Doug, but there's an entire episode following Sissy SpaceX character through her mind, through her Alzheimer's dementia stuff, which is really good. Those sound pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty much it. I haven't been watching anything else. It's been a weird week. So. Yeah. So the best thing any of us watched this week was <laughs> Gleaming the Cube. Uh, well, I would say Airborne for me, but sure. Come on. <laughs> you're just trolling us at this point when you say that. no I really do enjoy Airborne for a completely nostalgic watch I thought Gleaming the Cube was okay like I said it definitely drags in the middle more than I remember it did you did you at least throw Amanda a couple cheesy lines from Airborne I didn't have to she watched it with me she was so excited that we were watching it I'm just saying to be like you know who I'd want to have lunch with, Amanda? <laughs> Gandhi. Gandhi. Best surfer ever, ever lived. You. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. All right, so next week, week two, Slater September, we're hitting uh, anthologies. We haven't done a whole lot of anthologies on this show. We haven't done any, have we? No, it's going to be a rambling mess, us trying to... Just the plot descriptions will probably take three and a half hours. <laughs> we'll have no time left to discuss the movies. Uh, and weirdly enough, 
It's two anthology movies based off of two uh, horror slash quasi horror uh, anthology TV shows. Yeah. And the first one uh, is going to be Tales from the Dark Side, in which uh, Christian Slater plays a role in uh, one of the stories where he goes against uh, Steve Buscemi in a mummy. Yep. And then we're going to follow that up with the, uh, uh, I guess, I would say classic, uh, Twilight Zone the movie. Where we see uh, John Lithgow fight a monster on the wing of a plane. John Lithgow. <laughs> yeah, so I'm excited. Like My Doug's- favorite part of John Lithgow is Dan Harmon's impression of John <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a couple. I think my favorite thing is how. uh, Did you ever see the 30 Rock episode that's based entirely around Harry and the Hendersons? (laughs) No. That sounds delightful. Yeah, that seems like something I'd want to watch. So, I mean, were you guys familiar with 30 Rock? Did you watch it when it was on? Yeah, little bits of it. No. Oh. I know I'm uh, aware that it exists. I've never seen it. Yeah. So. Uh, first couple seasons are okay. I feel like it really hits the ground running in the last couple seasons. Uh, so there's an episode where Judah, who's one of the Judah, what the fuck's his name? The guy that wears the hats all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm trying right. to remember what his you're name. Not, you're, not, you're not asking me after I said I've never seen an episode. No, I was, I was asking Noah. Is it Harry uh, Spears? What? I said, is it Aerie Spears? No, it's not Aerie Spears. <laughs> um, a Freelander. He, uh, he's one of the writers on the show within the show of 30 Rock. And he's sort of like the, the nerdy pop culture guy. Um, but he tricks, or he doesn't trick, he, he uh, talks uh, Alec Baldwin's character, Jack Donahue, into watching Harry and the Hendersons with him. And so then they philosophize, philosophize, philosophize. Jesus Christ! I think my mouth's drunk. Uh, They philosophize. God, fuck, whatever. They talk about the end when uh, John Lithgow's like making uh, Harry like leave, where he's like, "Get out of here! We don't want you anymore!" Like all this stuff. He's like, well, he has to be mean to Harry because he loves Harry. So Jack takes a special interest in Judah and finds out that he was two credits away from finishing law school to become a lawyer. And uh, so he starts pulling some strings to let Judah get back into uh, law school. And when he meets Judah's mom, she gets pissed and she's like, what the fuck are you doing? She's like, did you know how many people in my family were lawyers for the mob? It ended up dead because they were lawyers for the mob. So she's like, so I tried everything I could to keep him out of law school. So then it cuts to to later when Jack's trying to make Judah not want to hang out with him anymore. And so he basically pulls the Harry and the Henderson. And he's like, get out of here. I don't want to see you anymore. And then he stops, turns, and looks at him again. He's like, get out of here. All the while, for whatever reason... John Lithgow ends up in the in, in 30 Rockefeller Center 
and he keeps like asking people like excuse me do you, do you know what floor the sci-fi channel is on i'm supposed to supposed to go to the sci-fi channel and like nobody will tell him so he this john lithgow is just wandering the building randomly <laughs> and he'll just pop up in a scene like I, I really need to get to the sci-fi channel and they're just like whatever and so yeah it's a whole harry and the henderson's episode that actually has john lithgow in it who doesn't really play a part in the harry and the henderson storyline uh, it does it. sound pretty clever <laughs> uh I made to do a 30 Rock re- rewatch. I haven't watched it in a long time. That'll be great for the, what you've been watching. Part of like shows <laughs> for months to come. You just still 30 Rock. Well, I mean, I could. Still 30 Rock. I mean, I could go. Me and Amanda have been doing a rewatch of Friends because she never watched Friends when it was originally on. And she'll catch a rerun and just start laughing hysterically at it. So I'm like, let's just watch Friends from the beginning. It's on Netflix. So, but I figured nobody wanted to hear about that, so I just haven't brought it up. Well, thank you for that. I'm glad you <laughs> brought that up. Yeah, I try to help sometimes. Sometimes I make you walk, I make you watch Airborne, and then other times I don't tell you about my Friends rewatch. Individual. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. Now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.